scripture reading from today is from the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 11 to 15. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head at the, and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? O oh God, the three in one, you draw us into your community of love with people across time and all around the world. By that same spirit that binds us to one another, speak to us today so that your message might encourage us and stretch us so that we can trust and follow you. It is through Christ we pray. Amen. We are continuing our sermon series this week where we're exploring questions that God asks us in Scripture through the stories that we read in Scripture. And today's question really got me thinking, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? Why do we cry? I mean, I understand that when our ears get, eyes get irritated by something, by dust or pollen or something that's released when you chop onions, I understand that our tears are there. They function to cleanse our eyes and to get rid of whatever it is that's bothering them. It seems like a natural and biological response at that point. But why do we cry? Why do tears come out of our eyes when we stub our toe? And why do we cry when our heart is broken, when we feel sad? I I read this week that emotional crying appears to be unique to humans. Animals really don't shed tears like we do. They'll cry, they'll tear up when they have something in their eye, that biological response but not emotionally. Yes, there are anecdotal reports of animals crying. I know my dog looks pretty darn weepy when I get the suitcases out. But for the most part, it's only humans who routinely cry because of sadness or other complex emotions. And there's a contradiction to our tears and our crying that just kind of mystifies me too. We will cry out of grief when someone has died at a funeral. But at the same time, many new parents will also cry at the birth of their child. We're as likely to cry from heartache when a romantic relationship ends as we are when we witness two people come together in marriage at that wedding ceremony. Can anyone explain to me why we cry when we're happy? And not just tears at a wedding. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the times when you laugh so hard that you cry. There are specific members of my family and specific friends that when we get together, I can be guaranteed that they will make me laugh so hard that I cry. What is that about? That's the craziest kind of crying out there, I think. 
But when you step back and look at what all these situations have in common, I think it's times when our feelings are so intense and so strong that they're too difficult and too complex to even describe using words. They go way beyond merely happy or sad. Perhaps crying helps us somehow communicate what we're feeling so intensely at that moment when our feelings are beyond words. Tears help us show those emotions in a way that language just can't. And that sort of brings me to the passage today. Uh, Just to situate where we are in Scripture, Mary has returned to the stone tomb where Jesus' body had been stored after it was taken down from the cross. And according to John and Matthew's Gospels, we've got some differences here. According to John and Matthew, we don't know why she went back. It doesn't say. Luke and Mark say the women together brought burial spices to prepare the body. But the other thing that's unique in our reading today from from John's Gospel that I want to remember is that Mary returns alone by herself. And we don't know what she is going to do our best guess is that she was going there to grieve and to mourn by herself. The key to her emotional state was Mary's response when she arrived, right? The huge boulder that would have looked something like this has been rolled away. And Mary found an empty tomb. Just imagine her shock. She's come there to grieve and mourn, and she finds an empty tomb. She immediately returned to town and brought the other disciples who looked inside at that empty tomb and then returned to their homes. But Mary, she lingered there weeping. Her grief now mixed with other emotions, confusion, I bet. She bent and looked inside the tomb, and she saw two figures, one standing at the head where the body would have been and one at the feet. And the author says that these figures were angels, but Mary doesn't seem to realize that. She certainly doesn't respond the way we see other people in Scripture respond in the presence of angels when they're very afraid, and the first thing the angels have to say is, don't be afraid. Mary didn't show any fear. I wonder if she was crying so hard that she couldn't see the identity and characteristics of these angels in the tomb. And these figures, they were the first one to ask Mary, why are you weeping? She says, they've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they've put him. Kind of an interesting response. She had no idea who those two were. They could have been Roman soldiers who had crucified Jesus. They could have been the Jewish leaders who set Jesus up to be crucified. They could have been grave grave robbers who could have harmed her as a woman alone. Who knows? But she was so so bold. She showed no fear. She declared publicly that Jesus was Lord. She aligned herself with Jesus, making herself so vulnerable, maybe making herself cry harder. Now she's got grief mixed with confusion, mixed with fear and vulnerability. Just one of those emotions is enough to produce tears, and she was experiencing them all at once. She turned, and there was another figure figure standing there. There was Jesus, but Mary didn't recognize him either. I wonder again, was it her tears that made her not be able to see him? And Jesus echoed what the two angels said. Woman, why are you weeping? 
Tears, they have this funny ability to heal us. We talked about biologically our response, but I also think there's emotional healing that comes with tears. When we're deeply, deeply sad, like Mary was, crying helps. Crying gets all that pent-up sadness and emotion out of us. Crying is often the very first step towards healing, towards growth and new beginnings. As we cry and we get those emotions out, we begin to see reality better. Our lives can finally begin to transform into whatever the new normal is going to be. It's not going to be the same, but we can begin to grow towards the new. Maybe that had just started to happen for Mary. Because Jesus, he seemed to acknowledge that there was this potential for transformation by asking her, why was she weeping? He was inviting her to tell her story. He knew the story already, but he was inviting her to tell it and retell it. Another way of getting those emotions out, of beginning to walk down the path towards healing. And as a reminder, Jesus was not a stranger to tears or crying himself. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Bless anyone who mourns. We also know that Jesus wept as he entered Jerusalem over this beautiful city and all its wasted potential. He wept in grief when he saw Martha and Mary grieving for their brother, his friend Lazarus. Jesus wept with them at their grief. It's no surprise to me that Jesus responded with this empathy to Mary's tears and grief over his very own death. Why are you crying? Tell me the story again. We've been taught from a very young age to wipe our tears and stop crying as quickly as possible to get control over our emotions. And men, I'm afraid that you all have borne the brunt of that expectation. Society has been particularly judgmental on men who cry. Tears, for some reason, have been equated with weakness. Weakness. I can't tell you how many times I have sat with people in grief, people who have just lost somebody they loved dearly, and we're planning a memorial service, and they apologize to me for crying. I'm sorry, they say. I need to pull myself together. It makes me want to scream, no, you don't. <laughs> Cry away. And I want you to know that weeping and grief, there's no expiration date on that. After our daughter had been diagnosed with type 1 insulin-dependent diabetes when she was a baby, she was just 15 months old, years later I found out that my husband couldn't be alone without crying after her diagnosis. You see, he has type 1 diabetes too. So he was grieving all of the things he knew she had lost. I remember a doctor once telling him, she will never remember a different way of life. And my husband, who is one of the sweetest, most polite people you can ever imagine, in a gruff reply said, is that supposed to make me feel better? There's just no time limit on grief. And my own mother 
told me it took her six years before she could sit in church after the death of my father and not cry. And the reason she told me this was because she'd stopped going to church. A woman who had worshipped her entire life with as much regularity as possible, she stopped going because she was embarrassed to go to church and cry in public after so many years had passed. They won't understand, she thought. I told her, and I'm here to tell you that there is no time limit or expiration date on grief. And if we can't mourn and grieve and cry sitting in this sanctuary, in this safe place where we're connecting with God on an intimate basis, if we can't weep in church, where can we do it? That's why we have all those tissue boxes hanging around, by the way. I'm, telling, I'm here to tell you that if Jesus has blessed those who mourn and wept in grief for his friends, if tears are an appropriate response for our Lord and Savior, the Son of God, if they are appropriate for him, then they're appropriate for all of us. Why are you crying? It's not really a question, it's an invitation. An invitation to face the story behind our tears. Jesus was asking Mary to examine her pain and put her words to sorrow, to allow her tears to give her pain a voice to begin that journey towards healing. Why are you crying? Mary responded by telling the angels that someone had taken away Jesus' body. And she repeated this idea with Jesus himself. Sir, if you have carried him away, just tell me where you've laid him. I will go and take him away. Still weeping, weeping and healing just by telling this story. It's important when we're really distraught like this to have someone to turn to. Someone we can trust with our tears. Someone we can trust to weep with us. Who will listen without judgment as we tell our story. But sometimes that trusted person, that friend, that spouse, that counselor, even your pastor, sometimes that person's not available. So there's still another place where you can go. We are invited to share our sorrow with God. I mean, have you read any of the Psalms? Some of the sorrow expressed directly to God in those Psalms, some of that sadness runs so deep The Psalms, they're a great model for showing us how to express our emotions to God. They say things like, to the Lord I cry aloud and hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for help. How long, O Lord, says the psalmist. When we share our grief with God, a God who sits with us and weeps with us in our pain, we only receive back grace and love and understanding, not judgment like society can give us. I mean, who better to understand and share pain, to share Mary's pain, than someone who has experienced the loss of a child, someone like the father of Jesus, a father, her God, our God, who sat and wept with Mary. Healing and the journey to a new normal begin when we share those tears with God. Sometimes it means directly talking to God and sometimes through another human. Our tendency, though, is to cry alone behind a closed door, kind of like Mary going to that tomb by herself in the morning. 
But I think the thing is, when we have courage to defy what society teaches us and to openly weep and tear up because of our sadness to show our grief, then we don't feel so alone anymore. We feel closer to whomever we've shared our story with as well as God. Now, I want to ask a question here. Is it possible that Mary, having shared some of her grief with those angels before turning to see Jesus and supposing him to be a gardener, is it possible that Mary had already begun healing a bit? I mean, scholars, they scoff at Mary's mistake. They wonder, why, why did she think he was a gardener? He's a carpenter, right? But I'm wondering if it's possible that she actually saw more clearly than some of us, that she'd begun to see reality better. I mean, who's the first gardener in the Bible? Adam, thank you. First service struggled with that. Go, you guys. Um, according to Genesis, God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden, a place that God cre- where God created humans and designed the perfect habitat for them. And he told the humans, he told Adam to keep that garden. That didn't go so well. Humans chose to live their own way instead of living God's way. But in the New Testament, we learn that Jesus has come as the new Adam, a new gardener, ready to till and to garden and to create new life and new things in us. Jesus is the new Adam, the new gardener, capable of bringing all that new growth into our own lives. All we have to do is turn and ask for it. In our grief, I'm convinced that this is what God wants to bring to us, is new life and new beginnings through the power of resurrection. Just as Jesus did with Mary, God comes seeking us out, calling us by name, and inviting us into that deeper intimacy with God. Like Mary, sometimes we don't recognize it clearly at first, when God comes to us in the form of a friend or a beautiful sunset or a memory of our loved one who's died. Sometimes we miss what God is trying to do because our vision is clouded by tears. So the next time you find yourself asking, why am I weeping? I want you to imagine yourself in a garden encountering Jesus, just like Mary did. Think of all the potential for growth and new life that's there. Remember that Jesus seeks us out wanting to plant new seeds and a new future in the soil of our pain. He comes to weed away the thistles and thorns that have caused us pain and sorrow and to encourage those buds and blossoms to bloom into new fruitfulness. Jesus wants resurrection and healing to be our new normal. Amen. As our scout ushers come forward, I want to remind you that there are electronic giving cards in the chairs in the back. Uh, If you choose to give electronically, it's a good way to represent your giving by putting one of those in the basket. And also, in this congregation, we like every hand to touch the basket to not only uh, celebrate the gifts that we have put in that basket, but all the gifts that we bring to this church and to God, including your very presence here this morning. So I'm hoping that every hand, and you members, make sure you help the scouts out as they pass the basket. Every hand should touch these baskets. Will you pray with me? God of new life, we come to you this morning grateful that we can share everything, everything that we have with you, every emotion and every feeling. We pray that sharing with you will bring us new life 
And so, God, we share back with you all the gifts you've shared with us. We share them back praying that you will use them to bring new growth to others as well. It's in the name of your Son that we pray. Amen.